Hello, and welcome to Bunch of Dummies. We are the four dummies that are bringing you this podcast, and we are so proud of you for tuning in wherever you're listening from, whatever you're doing. Look at you. We're proud of you. Riding a bike, Bunch taking a walk, doing the dishes, making dinner, or just resting because, you know, you've, you've earned it after today. Uh, we're going to start off, um, actually, I'm going to start off by reading a list of of job competency and um, this is a list of people that are more competent at their job than Steve Bruce is at leading a football team. Um, First, Porcupine as a balloon handler. Porky the pig as an auctioneer. A mole as a seeing eye pet. A Mormon as a sommelier. Frank DeBoer as the Atlanta United coach, <laughs> and Joe Linton as a footballer. All of these are more competent at the jobs that they do than Steve Bruce is at managing a football team. And uh, anyway, what else went on this week? I strongly disagree with everything that just happened. <laughs> just do you know so, what a sommelier so is? The record has been set. Do you know what a sommelier is? You know, I think... I think Steve Bruce is a wonderful man. Yep, I agree. And I think we've talked to about be this frank, many times. To be frank, DeBoer. But, but the thing that's not that has not been talked about is the positive that he's done. Which is? You know, he's gotten multiple absolutely atrocious sides promoted, which is a task in and of itself. He also got sides Only relegated teams, and then got fired. But that's cool. A year. Get that honor. He's he's kept teams up who are also atrocious. Um, you know, like the teams he's managed have been like Sheffield Wednesday, uh, Hull City, and Newcastle, mm-hmm. to name a few. He's been mm-hmm. Huddersfield, Wigan. Like, he hasn't had a quality side to show his true tactics of Brucey Ball um but yet you know we we keep saying this and even looking at the stats of newcastle being pretty much last in everything that you would not want to be last in um except the table you know um Mm -hmm. so i think working with what he's working with which granted i would say this year is probably the best team he has ever managed personally um Mm -hmm. and and so We'll have to see where he where he finishes with what he has this year. But in the past, he really hasn't had a whole ton to work with, and he's kept those sides afloat. So I think I think he gets a harsh harsh rap. All right, Tim. He gets the opposite of a harsh rap. That's the that's the main problem. If he was like, if 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 national pundits were like even keeled on him, and could say like he's not great, I'd be fine with that. But they keep continually praising him for like doing wonders with Newcastle, which just, honestly, and I will say this every time we bring this up, individually, on paper, I really think Newcastle have a top 10 side. You can say what you want about that. I think it's between 10 to 7. But, continually, we are last in expected goals. We have the most shots against us, most shots on target against us, least shots, actually, not true, second least shots on target now. Thanks to Wolves, surprisingly, of all people at this moment. Um, 
You think that you're a top 10 at roster? least at least in the attack individually on paper right now 100%. I I just don't think And I you think know why you don't roster, think that? Don't think you know why you don't think that? 15. Because of the way Steve Bruce sets up this team because, to play. If you had no, if you no, were actually able to you see are them not good. That's not true. If you were able to actually see them play attacking football in any recognizable style. This team we have this is the league with three managers in it that are literally some of the best football minds of all time in Jose Mourinho, Pep Guardiola, Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp. And this team hires someone who has the worst win rate in the or lo- most losing rate in the Premier League of all time over 100 games but played. But again, look who he's Tim, he had, he's managed. Some of the teams he had were he actually quite good. Those sides. He with hasn't Jack Grealish, anyone. John McGinn, they played for him. I did not think this is how we were going to start. Well, it is. <laughs> Tim, all right. Before you guys go any further, the the struggle I'm having here is if we hearken back to our arguments about top five managers and bottom three managers we'd want that episode a few times back, is with everything you said there, we could be talking about Sean Deitch. Sean Dyke and not Steve Bruce and be saying the same things and you thought Sean Dyke should be in the bottom three. That's what I don't get. I don't get that logic. Sean Dyke has a way worse team well, than Steve the, Bruce. Here's the situation. Way worse. way worse. I would argue Burnley Burnley are the worst team every in the position. Crowd. Every position. This year, I will agree with that. I will agree with that. But points on the season. Newcastle Who are you cutting out? We'll have 11. There you go. Yeah, so, we do. So, Newcastle, Newcastle have, you know, gotten results against teams that they weren't supposed to, and Burnley haven't. Um, and and granted, Burnley's just basically hit their full lineup, which I don't think any of us would disagree as a a bottom three roster in the league. Um. Burnley? Maybe I, I would. would. I but... definitely would. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, don't know. I would say Wait, that so... over the last probably six years in the Premier League, of all the teams who have not gone down one, one time, Burnley are by far the worst team. And I think that's a testament to Sean Dyke, that they have not gone down in the last six that years. That is exact. So... Interestingly enough, that is exactly what I just said that you argued with. I said none of us would disagree that they're a bottom three team. Like oh, Ross, okay. you said the exact opposite. I, I heard the exact opposite. And then you said, opposite. I would disagree with that. <laughs> you you yeah, did. So. You said the exact opposite yes, you when did. you said it. So, anyway. <laughs> no, I, I didn't. I promise you did. Go ahead. Roll back the tapes. We will. We will. But, but like, so, I mean, that that's fair. Although their style that they play is is to get ties which is lame um you think our style is anything different yeah exactly that's my point is we're saying the same thing but you think bruce is good and deitch is not that's the part that i'm struggling with understanding no i am just defending steve bruce because he is under fire whereas sean deitch is not under fire because he's bad. By, by the general <laughs> members of Sean Dyche of this has community. a very bad team, and Steve Bruce has a very decent team right now. And none of us are Burnley fans. So, yeah. question and for thank, Alex. Thank everything for that. That's true. 
Go ahead, Cole. I would hate my life if I was a Burnley fan. You're saying that Steve Bruce Honestly, isn't getting be so the most brutal. out of Newcastle right now, right? Oh, yes. And you're saying that they should finish between 7th and 10th? Yes. They're currently one win out of being in, like, actually 7th. Yeah. It's like where, I don't know where you seventh. want him to do better. Again, well, the sample size, guys. We just started, sample size. We just started the season. And they're ahead of Manchester that, United, mind you. They're ahead of Manchester United in the table. Again, the games, again, we play Everton when they're down all, like, their four best players. We get we steal but, something but against still. Tottenham that we should not have stolen. We, it's just, I mean, we had our best game, first game of the season. Everything else has been crap. I don't know. Like, there's, we haven't played particularly tough teams besides Tottenham, Everton, Man Wolves, U either. Everton, Tottenham, Man U. I just that's four. I four named out three of, of those. Seven. And Wolves are very bad. Half right of now. your games, and they lost to us. Should not have gotten any points against Tottenham. We Everton were a very injured and red Wolves are bad right now. Wolves they are, are not nice. playing well. Well, I don't. They're still Wolves. They still have a better roster than you. Yeah, of course they have a better roster. And that team should that. should be. And you know, okay, you, you want to know how we got points in that game? Time. We played like trash for 90 minutes. We had one shot on target the entire game until in the 90th minute we win a free kick and some guy who hasn't played a game for us in years steps up and somehow curls a, a, a banger around the side of the It was a nice goal. But just a like, nice goal. But this happens every single year a, with Newcastle. There, is, there are things, there are games that we win that there is no reason we should win. Or tie, though. There's no reason we should tie. Steve Bruce's most famous moment, this will go down in history in his best Newcastle managing performance, is against Everton last year. And everyone still talks about it. But you know what that game was? A tie. And how, <laughs> how'd that tie happen? Well, that tie happened, we were down 2-0. It was in the 90th minute, and our center back scores a bicycle <laughs> kick out of nowhere. And then that ball bounces around the 18 about 60 seconds later, it somehow sneaks over the line by about half a yard while Jordan Pickford is being an idiot. And that is the game that apparently is a Steve Bruce masterclass. <laughs> There's it is. Almost every single I... time we do anything right, I promise you, I promise you, there is such little managerial influence in making that happen. It is, <laughs> but how it is can Alan that consistently running down... still happen? Because we have individual players who end up making things happen somehow. And I don't know. We are one of the luckiest teams in the league. I agree. We should not have stayed up last year. that's got to run out at some point. Well, maybe point. it will. But it doesn't run out because Steve Bruce is a mastermind <laughs> who just weaves this intricate team. And he and he allows people to think that he's a piss pot uh -huh. by, by coming out with these, these poor performances sometimes. But then he comes and he shocks the world. I think, I mean, to be fair, I think Steve Bruce is a betting man. I think this guy just like you know kind of has some <laughs> performances hot and cold, and then and then all of a sudden you know he's like, all right, you know we're playing Manchester City. I, I'm putting I'm putting my my entire salary on a draw here, and you know you play him tough and you get a one-one draw. Your definition I mean, of playing tough is like the fact that we're like having one shot on target. There's this there was this tweet earlier this week that was like <laughs> national media talking about Newcastle fans, and it's like. Oh, they they want so much. They want to win the Champions League, and then it's at Newcastle fans like it'd be nice if we had a shot on target this game, and that's like <laughs> literally where we're at. And my one of my favorite moments. Speaking of, I mean, Steve Bruce having no tactical acumen at all. Earlier in this year, 
he he's putting on Ryan Fraser and there's a mic nearby and he says, "Go out there and oh I don't know just run," <laughs> like literally says that, and that's his idea of. He's coaching. trying to tire out the defense, bro. Are you <laughs> he says, me? "Oh I don't know." The fact that the argument has delved into going back to talking about how he's a fun guy. It's basically all we need to know about his actual ability. Listen, all right, I've talked too much about this. No man. question. We're never going to agree on this. The real question here, Alex. Yes. The real question. What are you to do with yourself come November the 21st when both of your teams play it's gonna each be other? Tough. It's going to be tough. I won't lie. Uh, the only actual reason I would want anything to happen for Chelsea is if Christian Pulisic is playing. But I would prefer if we beat them 10-1. to 1. With Christian Pulisic scoring a one goal, ideally. If Newcastle somehow scored ten goals in one game, I can't even. Fathom, I would take back I everything Trevor, I've ever said about. Steve I can't Bruce. fathom of them scoring three goals. <laughs> I don't think it's possible. But so. Trevor, Trevor, if that happened, it would be only luck due to the individual player skills and. I will take. Do. I will say Steve Bruce <laughs> is an incredible manager. If, if we score more than four goals. In any game this season. Okay. Steve Bruce, what a divisive topic. <laughs> that is on the record. You heard it here first. This I still man shouldn't be divisive. He just likes his breakfast meats and he likes, you know, He's a swell man. eating kebabs and he is nice and he makes yeah. jokes with reporters, but he is not to a be good fair, football manager. Southampton as well. What about well, I've, I named four teams that are good teams that you've played and I didn't name Southampton, who, after their result against you, were top of the table. And granted, Trevor, here's your audio clip. Sample size. That we're not we're not looking at it. Yeah, sample size. <laughs> there but it is. but they still have gotten results and they've gotten results against pretty decent teams. Um, granted I mean I know, like Southampton, I think they're good. Lose. I said that at the beginning of the year. You so. never want to lose two nil. Um, but I would say count your losses at this point and your losses being sitting above Manchester United in the table. Um, and, you know, brighter days will come. You still get to play West Brom twice. so We have West Brom in the next match. We're going to lose. It's going to happen. Most likely. I don't know why we did that. Because I wanted to be... Still, too, I need to understand how you your difference in opinion on Steve Bruce versus Sean Deitch. I forget how to say his last name. I feel like Deitch. I keep screwing it up, but... You know, one thing quickly. Because if we didn't have Martin Dubrovka, no, I, I, I think we were relegated. Sean Dyche is a, is a good manager. Um, you put him in the bottom three. I I put him in the bottom three because of where they were in the table and to deflect away from Steve Bruce. But I mentioned other people <laughs> that I thought were worse than him, and I brought I brought up many more names than three. Um, so. You know, you got to look at the the whole bottom half, basically, and all the managers in the bottom half are going to have question marks on their heads. Um, but I I definitely understand, like, they, they don't have class. I've mentioned this before. I think Dwight McNeil is the only player on that team that has any, like, technical abilities. Um, and then other than that, they're just, they're just a bunch of, beefy boys that look to <laughs> you know beefy. play you tough and either keep a keep a nil nil or uh or hopefully get a corner in like the 90 plus fifth and head one home granted nick pope's one of the best keepers in the league um he was tied i think or second in clean sheets last year he had the most fantasy um, points last year i think behind he was he was second in clean sheets behind allison i believe i think it was Ederson. Uh, I thought Ederson and so 
It was Allison. I thought Ederson had third. Oh. Ederson was third. I'm going to look it up. So, like, if you're looking at that, he was nestled in between Allison and Ederson, or he was tied with Ederson for second or something like that. But, like, if you look at the money slash talent in Liverpool and Man City's defenses, and then you look at Tarkowski and Peters and, you know, it, it, it's not comparable at all. So you have to give some credit to the goalie. Like what we're seeing with Sheffield this year with how last year they were a, a formidable force. And, you know, I think a good bit of that has to go to uh, your lad, Trev. Um, so, you know, it's just something something definitely to, to account for. Regardless, there Let's were move on. <laughs> there were other matches. There were other week. matches. Yes, other I don't even. I didn't really even talk about a match. I yet. didn't even Castle get to talk. About, I didn't even get to talk about the Southampton game, but that's fine. Do it. Do it now. It's very quick. You talked it? about it by talking about Steve yeah. Bruce. Yeah. Like I get Southampton are are good, but that they is didn't not. Even have Danny Ings. It's not a thing that you're like, oh Southampton, we need to bunker and hope that we can maybe get a chance on a counterattack sometime. <laughs> But that's what we did. Ederson so. did have the most clean sheets last year. I was right. Just so you know. Just putting that out there. Well, what about you guys' games? Anything happen? Uh, yeah. I'll go ahead, I guess. Um, just funny how every time Ole gets it towards the hot seat a little bit, we pull out a nice performance, which, you know, is a good thing and a bad thing, depending on who you ask. But, um, yeah, we played Everton. Gave him the business. It was good, solid display. I think big takeaways from that game are the midfield three that we started um, and that we has been kind of our typical midfield three maybe about half the season. Um, that needs to be our midfield three. Uh, Fred McTominay in the back and Bruno up top. Um, Paul Pogba, we'll see what happens with him, but I think that midfield is what we need to go with from here on out, especially against like slightly better teams have you ever um, thought about putting maybe donnie vandebeek in there that that's the other thing because like we're starting juan mata on at the right wing why i don't How like he's a good player guy? like i like juan mata he's he's class he just you know doesn't have the legs anymore but he could still play a, a lovely through ball or a cross like speaking of nice men <laughs> that shouldn't be doing the job that they're doing go ahead juan mata's juan mata's still a good, decent player but I don't. Yeah, I hope I hope Donnie gets some more time. I think those the three midfields that I talk about, like, I think they're pretty locked in. Um, first names on the team sheet, first three names. Um, but I hope Donnie gets some time because he's a good player. He could like when we play against lower teams that you know sit back. He should play striker. That'd be cool. That's a, yeah, that, that'd be really, like I think that'd be a good idea. But um, no, overall, yeah, we we played well. Um, got the three one victory, which is good. Uh, we're still like 14th on the table or something, which isn't great, but we still got a game in hand as well. So hopefully we can build a little momentum, but we'll see. We'll see. It was a good week. Tim, how about you? Yeah, um, I mentioned last week after the uh, late 1-0 victory at Burnley, uh, which is a notoriously difficult place to play, that I thought it was it was better than a 5-0 result against you know a, a bad side. Um, and good for our season outlook. We did it again. Another late, uh, late goal by the legend himself, Ari. Um, and I, I still think you know I, I'm, I'm kind of torn this week on whether to dig my heels in and say, yeah, you know, keep getting those one zero results, um, or whether that is showing 
those aren't going to go your way every time. Um, granted, I, I, I rate both Harry and Son as world-class. I think at this point, most people should. And so when you have guys like that on the pitch, um, those opportunities at the end of the game, you know, you shouldn't feel nervous that they'll come. Kind of like Liverpool fans watching, um, you know, Sala or Mane or Firmino or, you know, whoever it may be. They're like, yeah, this we still got a goal here. Like, even if it's the last 10 seconds of the match, like any of these dudes could break free and run 200 miles an hour and score. Like, I'm not worried <laughs> about it. And I actually consciously thought about that after kind of comparing how Liverpool have... Um, they won last year because of getting those results when they weren't necessarily supposed to. Uh, um, but when I was watching that, that game, I was, I was not feeling that way. I was feeling pretty fearful that we were going to tie or even lose against um, a bottom three team who had not won yet. Um, and then Harry was Harry, but I, I think, you know, it's great to get three points. It's great to be in second place. Um, it's great to survive in these in these cases, um, but I think we need to see some more of that six one five to two that we had earlier in the season, rather than three straight games against you know bottom fourth teams and winning by one goal each time late. Um, so I think I think you need to have a good balance of the two, just like looking at past champions, whether it's Liverpool or Man City they always seem to have that magic to be able to pull out those those late late winners but you always have those times where it's like Liverpool thrash Fulham 18 to 0 <laughs> or like you know whatever it is so um so we have a terrible 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 stretch of games coming up and i think those games are certainly games i'm going to be happy with a with a late you know one goal victory rather than expecting uh, a, a comfortable three goal win but I would say at this point um, certainly certainly pleased with what I'm seeing I think everybody is kind of warming up to the idea although sample size um, of it being a more open uh, title race um, and so you know whenever you see your team even in the top fourth during a during a situation like that you gotta you gotta smile a little bit um, so We'll see. We'll see what happens. These the top these four guys in the top five. Yes, <laughs> it's just a weird way to say it. But go ahead. Yeah, the only I didn't watch the game, so I couldn't comment on how it went. But the the goal that was scored wasn't. I would have to say it was a decent blunder from the West Brom keeper, which is too bad. Yeah, but, he really should have come out and, and claimed his space and kind of destroyed. Yeah, he you got could caught scary, in the middle. Like Harry, even like was ducking, like he was expecting like contact from behind. And he kind of just like chipped it, and you see, you saw him like turn around, and he's like, "What?" Like, yeah, and then he, it he went like right in. <laughs> and then, yeah. So, I mean, we certainly had our moments. They honestly had a couple moments, and I don't, I don't rate them as a side at all. I think Pereira is their best player. He wasn't playing. Um, they brought it. They really did. They were pressuring us very, very hard. They had a good bit of possession, um, but I mean. If you looked at us last year, like I think it's difficult for um, championship contenders to um, to be there with without getting clean sheets, and I think we had like one or two 
all of last year. Um, so if you don't have that defense that, that can hold you nil-nil until the 85th minute and let your playmakers make a play to win the game, you're never gonna you're never gonna even sniff Europe. Um, so I think the fact that we've had a couple, even against sides that you're not, you know, you're not counting on to score goals, but the fact that we haven't made those blenders that we were making earlier in the season um, is is definitely a positive thing. Cool. Cool. What do you got? Sorry, I am. Um... <clears throat> I found a Twitter account called Steve Bruce at Weddings, and the cat, the description of the account is I put pictures of football manager Steve Bruce into weddings, and it's just a bunch of I can't even I can't even describe the things I'm seeing. He's in all of them. Like I don't rate Steve Bruce as a manager, but if he showed up at my wedding, I would I'd not be, be I would not be mad. I hope he officiates my wedding. Uh, Cole, how how about Liverpool? So Liverpool had like the marquee matchup against Man City this weekend. Um, unfortunately, I was only able to watch the first half, but Same. after looking back at the score, it's really all you needed to watch. It looked like. That's what I heard. Um, yeah, it was a rainy day in Manchester. You know, Classic. Uh, Liverpool. Mane goes down early. Messi good uh, wins a PK. Salah scores, and then uh, Gabriel Jesus had if i don't know did you see that goal it was a moment of brilliance I what a goal questionable he it knew exactly what he was doing accident. he knew exactly what he was doing no he did not that, that touch a, was godly like truly no that that touch was <laughs> hey wow look what i found um and it's all right you guys should have lost so well yeah we'll i'll get to that in a second <laughs> but i still don't really understand how gabriel gets that touch and I mean, it, like, even Trent saw, like, the ball bounces one way, and then his foot is swinging back as he's, like, coming down to step and just somehow clips the ball out of nowhere. And so that was frustrating. Gets that one past Allison. But then a handball in the box, questionable decision again. Um, it really looked like Gomez was pulling his arm back into his body. And so if, like, his arm is extended coming back in and his ball and the ball comes in and makes contact with the arm what are, i don't really know what the defender is supposed to do um but handball was given and kevin de bruyne misses the penalty wide left on the ground and never so thought i'd liverpool, see the day i know it was you it was never wild. you never expect that to happen he's a master of placing the ball exactly where he yeah, wants and he's he really is it. But, you know, I mean, I, I was confident Allison would save it, but he didn't need to. And, yeah, Liverpool did, come away. Did Allison point. get fantasy points for that? Uh, probably not, because it's not a save. I don't know. I'd have to look. I actually don't know how they how they officiate that. Because um, it's not, like, it wasn't on goal, so it can't be a shot on goal either. This is true. I don't know. We'll have to look into it. So maybe it's only a, a penalty miss. From Do you yeah, have Allison my, on your team, Cole? No, I think I have. I actually think he. Do I? You do. <laughs> he doesn't know. He, he did not. He did not get a penalty save for that. But uh, De Bruyne did get negative two yeah. for a miss. I feel like he should just because yeah. that'd be cool. But yeah, know. I'll take the points. But I mean, I I've taken soccer stats for NCAA for like three four years. I don't think that would count. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Speaking of fantasy keeper points, 
How about Fabianski this week? Do you guys? Yeah. Did we? Did everybody he, see that? He that went was hard. insane. That that game, I watched that game, and I granted I have Ariola on my team. I didn't start him, so I didn't need him. Um, but like seeing this guy who started at some pretty big clubs and played pretty impressively, as well as he's made some appearances for the French national team. I saw him come to Fulham and I was like, oh, like this dude's this dude's gonna be a stud. And, you know, Fulham's defense has been pretty terrible and so he hasn't looked great. But that dude was standing on his head. <laughs> Trevor, did you ever watch the highlights? No, I haven't yet. Okay, like there were so many shots that were blazing in and like this dude was like just completely flailing and just hitting it over the bar and all this stuff. And he, he was playing great. Um, eventually he did concede, um, but he had like eight saves that came or something like that. And Fabianski on the other side wasn't seeing as many shots, but was still saving pretty much everything. And granted the penalty at the end, I I didn't comprehend. There wasn't a single thing about that, that I comprehended. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Mitrovic is the penalty taker. He is great at penalties. He missed one like a couple of weeks ago, but like, he still is like a career penalty taker. He's your striker. He's a bagsman. Give him the ball. And like you, you put Mitrovic there in the 95th, 96th minute. You know it's the last kick of the game. You put him there a million times in a row, literally a million times. And he will never try a Paneka. <laughs> he wouldn't even he wouldn't even try it because he got bored of kicking nine hundred and ninety-nine thousand other kicks. Like he still would just blitz the ball into one of the sides. Like, because that's who he is. This like what the heck are you thinking, dude? Like Like it wasn't even like, a good one just, either. Like he like it, no, barely he, like, hit I, it. I literally saw it out of the corner of my eye and like I thought he tripped and like barely made contact, and then I saw the replay. And I was like, what? Like, because Fabianski, like, half dove to the side. And he was, like, on the ground. And the ball is still coming. And then he just, like, sticks his hand out. And with one hand, just, like, grabs the ball. It was so sad. And, like, it wasn't like he had to, like, dive on it. wasn't at He literally, like, half fell to the side and was like, oh, the ball's here? Cool. <laughs> and he, like, picked it up with one hand. Like, like I think he, he would have had to, like, literally come and... And like blow on the ball to have it pass the line because he literally put nothing on it. It was terrible. And like the, the fantasy you, you, implications of that one go, that that one miss are incredible because Fabianski he's sitting on a clean sheet at that point. He's in line for some bonus points. If that goal, if the, that penalty is scored, I think he ends with three total fantasy points: two for playing the whole game and one for making three saves. Instead, he gets the penalty save, which is five more points. He gets four. He keeps a clean sheet, which is four more points on top of that. So that's nine extra points. And then he cleans up all three bonus points. Yeah. So he ends up with he was, he 15. He was in line for one bonus point. And then he jumped everybody, got three, ended up with 15. And could have had three if it was taken properly. And Incredible. Fulham could have had a point, which is more important than this is true. This is a, true. a keeper's fantasy week. But... <laughs> true. Talking about Fulham very briefly, Alex shared something on Twitter today that was really funny. In all European leagues, dribbles completed or attempted or something like that per completed. game. Completed. Dribbles completed per game. Number one, FC Barcelona. 
you know, obviously you got Messi. You're gonna be you're gonna be completing a lot of dribbles. You're gonna be taking a lot of dribbles. Number three, Real Madrid. You know, Vinicius Jr., Eden Hazard. You know, all these boys. Number two, I'll give you two million guesses. Yeah, you didn't guess Fulham. You didn't. Don't mm-hmm. lie. Fulham. With the context two, of how you posted, I would have. But number two in dribbles per game, which I think honestly kind of shows that like they are not a cohesive unit at all. There's no like, tactics. Because I've been I've been honestly thinking about I, I want to coach soccer one day, and when I watch when I watch I'm like, all right, what can I take from this? What could I what could I share to some youngsters? Um, <laughs> what do you do when you watch Newcastle? My experience playing. <laughs> And like you look at it, and and you very rarely see more than like three touches. What do you? It's so pass. That sounds like a, a touch, lot to pass, me. Pass a touch, and and Fulham, they don't do that. They're not <laughs> passing the ball around. They're just running around. It's it's like U six hive ball all over again. Uh, um, so we'll see. Sounds sophisticated compared to Steve Bruce tactics, but that's fine. I think the other interesting match that should. We should talk about for at least a little bit was the Crystal Palace versus Leeds match, which I think a lot of us watched. Um, I don't remember exactly what was going on. Did I watch it? I'm pretty sure we were all talking about it when when it was going on. Yeah, because the goal, the Bamford goal. Yeah, because I needed you to score. Like VAR, I think was a we we only touched on a tiny bit, but I think VAR was a common theme. Like the its problems. This this that game. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you haven't seen it, go back and watch. You know, anyone listening, anyone here at all, go back and watch the Patrick Bamford offsides goal. Like, when you're playing soccer, how, like, how, in the spirit of the game, how can you give that as offside? There's absolutely I, no reason like, to. I mean, I, I truly football. believe that most of the time when they pull those lines out, that can be said. Like, you know, the rule states if, if a sliver of your ingrown toenail is over it, you're offside. <laughs> And it's like, come on, dude, you know, which it depends on what team you're rooting for on any given day that that your opinion on that call can change. But yeah, I think it, this is as really much as is I agree different. with the spirit of what you're saying. Like, I think this was an exception, like this even more. No, so. This was different because it was yeah. like he was literally trying to tell the guy, outside. I'm making this run. Right. I genuinely don't think and he was actually offside in any way. So like they did it to like right here. They put the line up. To well, the it's of because arm. of the arm. And what part of your arm is not right. considered right. a handball right. that you could theoretically score with? Right. But yeah, it looked like they put it further up the forearm than on any shoulder area. But then again, with these handballs that we're seeing called, like, you know, if if Bamford gets hit in that same spot somewhere else on the like in his own eighteen yard box, they'll call it a handball, not a part of the body he could score with. Yeah. So it's interesting, which which those two handball calls, specifically Liverpool and Leicester, it's interesting because of after the Tottenham-Newcastle fiasco, all of the refs were like, yeah, we're going to address this. All the managers were outraged, even you know if they'd rather see Tottenham lose or drop points. Um, and it, it seemed for a second as if there was going to be change. And then I was watching these, and it's just every time VAR comes up, it's like they can't possibly call this. Like they can't possibly. And then he points to the spot, and you're like, "What? Like, where? What have we been doing for the last month? Like, what have all these conversations come to? Nothing." 
So what's weird is like almost every game that I watch where there's a, a questionable VAR call, the announcers are always like they're so surprised and they always say like, Oh, but like VAR should be to overturn clear and obvious <laughs> mistakes and it's like, What are we doing here? And it's like I hear clear and obvious so many times from the announcers every single time this happens. And, like, it's just, like, is there some sort of disconnect going on between what we believe VAR should be doing and what the refs believe VAR should be doing? And, like, Patrick Bamford's goal was the definition of this is not a clear and obvious error. Like, that's why I agree with, like, even if it was, like, technically, like you said, like, the, the little bit of your ingrown toenail that was offside, like, uh... That's not a clear and obvious error if you don't call it in the buildup. They didn't call it in the buildup. The same should be for Firmino's offside as well. Uh, I, I don't know if Cole saw that, but um, same sort of okay. idea. Speaking of offside, the worst, the worst was Ross Barkley. Oh, like, yeah. I that completely was just agree. unbelievably it's terrible. A, yeah, Granted, it was against Arsenal, and any time Arsenal should be punished by VAR, they should. <laughs> But, like, I, I said this, and I will say it, I'll, I'll double it. You could have 10 goaltendies in the net, and that does not get saved. Like, literally, like, he blasted at top shelf, and this guy is standing, like, six yards in front of him offside trying to jump out of the trajectory of the ball, and they're like, yeah, it affected the goalie's ability to, like, get to the ball. Like, like Leno literally did not move when the ball like, came past dude, the him. goalie has to be... The goalie would have to be Mrs. Incredible and be able to extend her arm like ten feet to be able to touch it. Like it, it, it just it was not. I don't know. But they ended up winning three nil. Arsenal sucks. Beautiful day in America. It was a great result and around the globe. Um, upset of the week. Ding ding. Plus two. Um, but another VAR should we talk moment. about that? Like as as a recap. Not not going further into our our locks of next week until that's applicable, but just because this is fresh sure, of enough. what we uh, what we called to update it. Um, so well. the table the table has has changed. We had a three way tie for both second and last place, um, but those spots have all been claimed to now. Oh, wow. uh, Trevor Trevor reclaimed his throne. Let's go. Uh, we're not talking about first because Cole Brower is still. Definitely solidified as the first place candidate. Trevor has That's reclaimed last place after going negative one yet again. He locked Brighton, which like as soon as you said that, I was I think everybody was kind of just like, what are you doing? I'm trying to switch it uh, up, man. Nothing's and, working. Yeah, so that that didn't that didn't pan out. Uh, I want to believe in believe in Brighton, and they keep letting me down. I so. I definitely agree with that. I definitely agree with you. But yeah. Uh, so he went negative one. He's down to one point. Alex okay, still above zero. had the had the beautiful, beautiful uh, foresight of locking Tottenham. Um, unfortunately, they took the Dribblers FC uh, Fulham as as underdog. Um, so he got plus one this week. He's up to three points. I myself had a perfect week. Um, I locked Southampton like with 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 an injured Danny Ings. No Danny Ings. Locked Southampton against a the top of the table, or no 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 not the top of the table against Newcastle. <laughs> uh, you wish you wish they would. And 
Well, no, I was thinking about when they played Everton last week. Um, but yeah, secured the bag there, and then also secured the bag with my underdog Aston Villa beating Arsenal three nil. Beautiful, beautiful. And then Cole West Ham lock. That penalty almost, almost screwed Cole, but it did not. Um, Cole just he just gets it. Whenever whenever there's a favorable decision, Cole gets it. He Cole Cole showed his Cole showed his first signs of uh you know a little shakiness by deciding to, human? to to stick to stick Newcastle as an underdog. Ugh. So he didn't he didn't get that. Um, but Cole is up top with eleven points, then me with five, Alex with three, Trevor with one. Um, so if you add all of us up, we're still not at Cole. Congrats, Cole. And uh, we'll we'll see y'all next week for for the next edition. Okay, I have one more thing I want to say about the prem. Good. I don't know. I don't think it even got that big. Like I don't know how many people saw it, but there was an incident during the game. Okay, there are two actually. One was the one where Pickford dropped the ball and then kick and then him and Keane both kicked Harry Maguire, and with nothing happened of it. That was an interesting one. I, I wait, wait, wait. You mean you mean yeah. when? When, when he pushed him out of bounds, see, I don't even think he pushed him. I think he put his hand on him. Yes. Well, okay, his hand was on him, but he was also jumping that direction, and his momentum like pushed Pickford out. Okay, Tim, if you think that's that's a foul on McGuire, why was it not a foul on Harry Kane for doing the same thing with his entire body? Harry Kane was standing. He did not move. He was standing firm in one spot. That is not true. And the defender jumped up and infringed on him and jumped over his back, which is a foul anywhere. I completely Versus disagree. A goalie, goalie is like a <laughs> quarterback in the NFL. We don't need to go back always to Always protected. One, okay, always the other, protected. The, the other more protected. interesting one was Anthony Martial and Michael Keane were going for a header together. And Michael Keane? Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Michael Keane. That's a person, right? <laughs> Roy Keane goes back. And Ke- Michael Keane elbows Martial in the face and then kicks him in the face, like legitimately. And the referee called a foul on Martial and it wasn't even looked at. And I like, in the moment, I was like, when I first saw it, like, yeah, it looked like Martial like jumped into him or something. And then you see the replay. He literally kicked him in the face and nothing came of it. And I'm like... It, I, I don't even think it became a big deal, so I don't even know if you guys even saw it if you didn't watch the game. It's like it's not it was like a big controversy or anything. But it's like I watched it again. It's like how do you see that and not give him a red card? Like yeah, to I don't be fair, understand. I just think that's that's penance for Martial's overt violence and his his grievous. Would penance not mean Eric that Lamella? he should have gotten the red card? <laughs> Wouldn't that no, be no, no, penance? No. It was penance. For Martial, he had to serve punishment. He did by violent... sitting out three games. Right. No, no, no. He <laughs> needed to also be struck in the face violently multiple times, such as he did. He to got it twice, Cole, though. That's a little excessive, don't you Hero. think? Hey, an eye for two eyes, bro. That's that's how that's the saying. No, but that's mostly just to say with what we were saying. Like, I don't get VAR. Um, and back to what Alex was yeah. saying, like the disconnect between what we think it is and what it really is. It really seems to me, and what I've heard people say is like, it's basically referees covering for each other. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I'm not gonna, like, I'm not gonna make you look bad, basically. So a lot of times, that's why things don't get overturned. So I think that's the part guy of the behind thing the going. curtain ends up looking so that, bad, but that we don't is, know who he is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We do know who he is, but no one actually cares. It's like the person on the field just is switched. The they just switched the control from like 
the referees union to FIFA being the one that's ruling VAR. But I still think it is interesting of there's multiple times where either like the guy that's advising the person to look at the monitor is like, hey, bro, I got you. Or the <laughs> guy doesn't want to look like an absolute fool and like overturn himself. I, I mean, obviously I'm biased in this situation, but a couple weeks ago against Brighton, like the referee was standing six inches away from the foul that happened. And then he goes and looks at the monitor and like, I don't know if there's embarrassment that he was that close and he didn't do his job <laughs> the first possible. time that like, he was like, yeah, I'm going to just make sure I don't look like an idiot. Cause I was literally, I'm literally in this slow-mo frame of the foul, like watching this happen. And I didn't call it the first time, but I think, I, I mean, I think it is interesting point. because like VAR is so new and with anything new that you introduce, there's going to be hiccups, but because of the magnitude of some of these decisions, it's so difficult to have hiccups or like kind of like try and smooth out some of these wrinkles, which I don't know how long that would take by just like a normal process, but I don't think anyone in the world would disagree that like, it's not a perfect system. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you said the word slow-mo and that, I think that raises an interesting point. I really think that they should have a rule where they are not allowed to slow down the feed that they're looking at. And they that's how they should determine what's going on. Because I think when you slow it down, I think things look, things can look a lot worse or a lot better depending on the, the speed that you watch it. I think it would be very interesting to make it where they have to watch everything in live speed and to make their determination that way. I think that'd be more fair. But I, I, again, that I, I might raise more problems. I just think the the whole point of it is to get a second look because the human eye wasn't able to comprehend what happened in real time. Like you only had times. one shot of it, and you weren't. Yeah, you you're still getting uh, you're still getting multiple it. angles and multiple but, looks. But why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you slow it down and strip it down to the rawest form to be able to? Well, it's not the rawest see form. It. It's the opposite of the rawest. The rawest form. form would be watching it the way it is. No, no, no. The rawest form is seeing every every millisecond of what happened i just think it it warps the sense of Clearly how tackles look for handballs yeah i if you want to look at it that way but i think it's especially for tackles i think it changes how you i think it changes the perception of a tackle depending on the speed you watch it um that's that's the big thing is the tackles more than the other parts but um but i don't know i think, I think it'd be interesting tackles too i think even with tackles too like Slowing it down would make it easier for, say, like, guy slides past, or defender slides past the guy with the ball and doesn't actually make contact. Guy goes down, referee blows the whistle, VAR looks at it. I think in that situation, the when you slow it down, you're able to see the space between the defender and the player who he did or did not make contact with. So yeah. I think in that situation, slowing it down would make a little bit more sense. But I do kind of agree with what you're saying, that when you do slow it down, tackles can look worse or, um, yeah, like you get a different perception on things. They certainly can. 
Although to be fair, yeah. there's sometimes where you see a tackle happen in in full speed, and you're like, oh my gosh, that guy just destroyed him. Right. And then you see it in VAR, and it's just Bruno Fernandez like doing like a triple front flip, you know, and then holding his or Kane backing into left, somebody, you know, you know how it goes, you know how it goes. Um, that he that he injured. But yeah, interesting take, Trevor. Yeah, I mean, it's just hard I, and because... I would be I would be interested if they if they were I mean they wouldn't be able to do this, but if they were able to do a case study on like watching it in real time versus slow-mo like how many decisions yeah. would differ based on you know the the inputs that they were getting on those um that would be interesting yeah it's ultimately maybe just they like... should do that in you know in a farmer's league and and get back to the big boys and <laughs> yeah. let them know how it goes it's just it's just mainly like we want it we want the right calls well, even then, that's kind of like weird because sometimes we don't even agree with the rules in the first place. But um, yeah, just any idea to make VR better, I, you know, I'd be up for that. And if that would be <laughs> not letting them slow down, then I'd go with that. If that wouldn't make it better, then spoken, I wouldn't. So. Spoken like a true Varchester United fan. Dude, we're not even like close. Like, how about like Leicester this year, man? Yeah, actually, I, I saw a, Dude, I no, saw okay, a this was crazy. Can I talk? Go on. Go on. <laughs> I, saw, I saw a list of uh, VAR overturns and the team's... Uh, most helped were Everton and Southampton and I think Newcastle and the teams least helped were uh, Liverpool, Tottenham and United. How about that? How about that? Well, it sounds like nothing's changed from my perspective, right. but yeah, for you guys changed. it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, your perspective territory. on calling us no, Barchester United, that has changed. No, I'm saying we were 20th last year in that yes, regard, I, and we're still bottom three. I understand three. that. Um, but in the in the Leicester game, when the the first penalty was a hand, the handball one, and I was like, "There's no way this can be called," and the announcers were like, "This referee has awarded more penalties to Leicester than anybody else," or I, I that that is what it was. I don't know what the context was, whether it was like this year or a different year, because I know they've gotten a lot. Um, and then, like, five minutes later, he awarded them another one. And I was like, oh, this is getting kind of sus. But they missed. But <laughs> they still, they still won, won the 1-0. Yeah. yeah. Should All we right. move on? <laughs> Maybe we should. It's been 51 anyways, minutes. We talked about potentially talking about international soccer and MLS. I'm thinking... We push MLS since the playoffs don't start for a little while yet. We can talk about that next week, maybe. Yeah, that sounds good. Well, don't they start? Because isn't one of the the big deals about these international friendly these are affecting. I know well, three of our players aren't going to be there for playoffs, and the big one of the, the biggest first. news was Pizarro is not going to be there for Inter Miami, and they have one of the playing games. That's not because so they have a, Pizarro a game would miss then. their first two games. That's not because they have a game then. That's because. Like they want to keep training with the team and make sure their player doesn't get injured internationally, as far as I know, because they might have to also quarantine when they get back if they come from the U.S. for two weeks. Because uh, I'm pretty sure the Reds, so the, the Reds play on like next Saturday. Yeah, so the it's ten days yeah. from now. So yeah, that's we, way we'll after we'll international. Squeeze in another pod um, before they start. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but international break is happening right now, and that's why there's no Premier League that we are previewing at the moment. Um, so can we can we give a timeout very very quickly? Go ahead. There's one more one more domestic thing that needs to be talked about. It's your 10 second segment. Uh, does Mines have points uh, on this <laughs> week's segment? Mines have gotten a point, baby. Wow. They Let's have gotten go. point. Huge. They 
they choked they choked out they should have gotten all three but they ended up getting one point that's good uh that's so you can get. <laughs> the donut the donut has been eaten and there is now a one in mine's column <laughs> will they go back down Continue. probably but they have at least one point that's okay that's okay uh tim do you have no, a list they're gonna, of they're going up <laughs> do you have a list of the international yeah. fixtures coming up what's uh of note yeah uh, I think, well, the international fixtures are funky because there's multiple things going on. There's friendlies, of which we probably will talk about the two U.S. men's national team games um, pretty much solely. And then there's other, like, random friendlies. Um, but UEFA Nations League is a thing. And then there's also, um, like, European qualification. There's still a couple of matches that have to happen there. Um, I think there's four one of which is Scotland is playing probably the biggest team left that has to qualify. Um, but yeah, the Nations League is interesting because there's there's quite a few big squads that are that are looking on the outside right now. Um, so the next week or so um, will will shore up those positions. Currently, the Netherlands, England, Croatia, um, Germany's tied on being out um all of those teams are not in qualification positions so we'll see we'll see where the next week takes us as far as that goes that's kind of crazy that those teams aren't qualified yet what about uh aren't there yeah, i mean some of these groups are just absolutely ridiculous but aren't there world cup qualifiers for conmable right now yeah there's some conmable matches as well um world cup qualifying has started right. for south america so on thursday that begins uh, or it already has begun uh, but they they've played two matches each so there will be some more as far as that goes as well as a the asian um world cup qualification is going to continue just kidding looks like all of those are postponed um smart but con somebody who knows what's up Bowl, we have um, Argent Argentina is playing, obviously. Um, so we'll see Argentina's best player, Giovanni Lo Celso, in action. Um, maybe even their he second best player, Juan Foy. Very nice, very nice. Was was I supposed to say it otherwise? Uh, Colombia Uruguay, very good matchup, um, and then Brazil against. Joseph Martinez, um, <laughs> and Solomon that's Rana. all Venezuela has is Joseph Martinez. Even, even if he only has one ACL, that's true. It's International football is fun. Uh, well, even Fred, you when don't think it should be played. The right United now, States yeah, of America's honestly, best player does not get to does not get to play. Well, he might. Sad. He might get to play. I'm oh wait, Jordan Morris. Oh yeah, no, you're right. He doesn't get to play. That's true. Um, yeah. No, Christian Pulisic. Stu Brizzy bringing another cup home. Christian Pulisic should be. I think he'll play the second game at least. But he has not been trained. The guys, all all the uh, the entire team was together today training, and Christian Pulisic was not the only one not out there actually doing anything. So, but he's there to be a leader at the moment. So, which is weird to say for a guy that's twenty two. But here we are. As much as I like the United States as a country. International break is stupid. Tell me why. COVID, number one. That's the big one. 
sort of important, not as important as just fi- fixture congestion for the whole season. Those those are the two big ones. I mean, I think we're gonna like we've already seen lots of injuries. I think we're gonna see even more. I I honestly like I don't think Pulisic should maybe even play in the United States games. Don't murder me for saying that, but like That's it, fine. I'd rather him be healthy, you know, during the season. Not because I want Chelsea to win or anything, but like. Chelsea fan confirmed. You heard it here. <laughs> I actually hate Chelsea. They're my least favorite team. Um, I'd rather him not risk playing one game. You know, you build a little bit of chemistry over one game, but like one game, uh, that doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. Um, versus getting healthy, getting some form, you know, in the Premier League, uh, and then being healthy by the time actual important international matches come around. So. Yeah, you have a fair point. And there's COVID stuff. Luckily, I mean, there was like... And not to mention that Wales' assistant coach is an Arsenal assistant coach as well. And three of our boys play for Wales. And so Jose thinks that some dark juju Madumbo is going to go on. Yeah, they don't have a head coach. I think we touched on that last pod. They don't. They don't. Uh, What are we anticipating, though, in those two games from the U.S.? Cole, Tim, you got any thoughts there? As far as these couple games go, I'm just interested to see what uh, what Triple G has to do with the lineup. Yeah. I like. There's a lot of names that are in their first national team camp. Ten. Or one of their first ones, and it'll be interesting to see which which of those players get onto the field, and for how long, and yeah, possibly in which games, because. Yeah, you're playing Wales and then Panama, I believe, right? It's Panama. Yeah. Yeah, Wales, I think yeah. it'll yeah. Wales is the the bigger game obviously. I mean, you have like Gareth Bale did get did get called up and then you have guys Daniel uh, James. Daniel James probably there. Um a couple other good quality players. So that's the bigger matchup and Greg is is likely going to roll out as close to the first team that he can pick from this group um to go up against them. I think it should be a, a fun, interesting game. I hope I get to watch some of it. The second one will really be, like, the guys who are more fringe and, like, okay, do we have a future for this guy? Guys like Soto. Um, yeah. I'm trying to figure out the, the the outside back issue. Trying to figure out um, kind of, I would guess, like, does Musa have a future in the middle or out wide? And the same thing with Geo. I think those two, wherever one goes, the other is going to go uh, the opposite. Um, trying to figure out a left wing replacement. So there's a lot, but I think, um, like I said, f- first teamers basically in that first game. That's your best eleven, and then from this group at least, and then, uh, and then second time around versus Panama. Obviously, a, a little bit easier opponent, um, if not much easier. Um, and that'll be kind of figuring out some of the fringe guys. Um, trying to see who is going to be able to be competent backups for the long run. But when is the one? How many Wales? Are we at five subs still? Uh, well, international friendly, you can do as many as you want, right? I believe I so. That's yeah. that's kind of what I was thinking. Which, my my question to the group, with all young players, average age is barely legally able to drink a beer. It's like less than 22, 21 years, yep. and like 300 days or something. Yep. Um, lots of new phases, lots of young stars. Would you rather see a good shift of 75 minutes from our premier 11 and then toss a couple of, you know, X-Factor 
factor people in, treat it like a normal game um, that means something, or would you like to see as many people as possible? You know, some a lot of these guys we're going to be seeing on this international stage for the first time, um, and even Panama. Like we're not, we can't discredit the competition. Obviously, we should wipe them, um, but you know, anything happens in Concacaf. Um, so, and a familiar face, would you rather see maybe four different 45 minute shifts from people kind of switching things around? Um, which, which would you guys rather see? I really think with the fact that we haven't really actually seen a U.S. team play together in a year, um, and the, the whole U.S. like a camp hasn't happened in a very, very long time since January camp. Um, and so... For me, I do want that first game to be like a good solid 70 minutes before you're really making a whole lot of wholesale changes um, because you really need that first team to get some quality game time together um, before the next time they meet up is going to be competitive matches and you need them to get... I, I honestly think Greg is like, okay, we need these guys on the field playing together because next time we're qualifying for World Cup. Um, so I think you're going to see that and that's kind of what I want. Um, and I also think that I trust, like, I, I, I don't love Greg's tactical approach to a lot of things. Um, I think it might be a little too fixed for national team um, matches where there's a lot more variable, where you have a lot of different guys coming in. But I do trust him quite a bit in player evaluation, um, especially with the way he's brought in new guys and kind of kicked out some guys that we all kind of agreed on like they shouldn't be around the national team um right now so i i do trust that side of him and so like i don't need to see a big shift from some of the fringe guys if greg thinks okay they need more time to develop or things aren't going to work out with them so i'd rather see like yeah a, a good game with wales of your first team and then panama kind of be a tale of two halves where everyone gets a shot but again i don't need to see 90 minutes of you know everyone i don't know do you think Greg will be the coach in 2022? Yeah, I do. Yeah, definitely. Um, unless something catastrophic happens. Uh, I mean, he's like, it's like either he qualifies for the World Cup and he's going to be there or he doesn't qualify and then he'll get fired. Like, it, it's that one of those sense. two things, <laughs> I think. Um, if he doesn't qualify for the World Cup, I will cry. And then ideally... Yeah, and it, sh it should be easier for us to qualify now because they've made it easier. So Thank you, guys. And then 26, obviously, we'll be there, and hopefully... That'll Jesse, be our year. Hopefully, Jesse Marsh will be our coach, and he'll bring us home. And he always, he's, he's already said about a week ago that if he ever got the uh, opportunity, he would find it very difficult to turn down. And 26 would be a great year. All I'm saying... It's coming home. The rest of the world is put on notice. Football's coming home. It's coming home when it are the entire tournament is already being played at home, so I guess either way we'll be able to say that it came home. We're gonna keep the trophy. In the uh, United Cole, States. Cole, and Trevor, quick thoughts on on either strong side of main main people just to get back in that mix, or seeing as many different people as possible to kind of like you know figure out what talents we have. Go on, Cole. I think. Like Alex was saying, I like that idea of the first game, get a solid shift in. Uh, second game, I think, you know, because of that long break between U.S. national team camps and because there's a lot of guys that 
haven't played together in a U.S. men's national team jersey before, um, I would just kind of do second half of Panama start throwing in guys that are on the fringe, because I mean like I would even said we have I would even start guys the, that are on the fringe, but go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. Like I I don't think they should like. Yeah, no, like you said, the the next like camp is going to be a World Cup qualifying camp, right? Yeah. So I think use as much time as you can to get these guys playing together, um, used to each other, and then set yourself up for success in World Cup qualifying. Because after the showing for the last World Cup and that qualifying, you know, I don't think there's going to be a lot of give from the media, from us as fans. Like, if, if you don't, if we start looking like we're not the team that we think we are in World Cup qualifying, there's going to be a lot of questions asked. And yeah, I it, it would just be pretty tough to see that happen. But yeah, I think you use as much time as you can to get your guys, like the guys in and playing together and up to that speed. Yeah, with as much as I said about how I don't like the international break and I d hope Christian Pulisic doesn't play and that kind of stuff, with that in mind, I would say I would want them to take it as seriously as possible. Um, and what I don't know exactly what that would mean. I think I'd lean a little bit more towards Cole, where like, yeah, the next like like you guys have both said already, but the next games are important games. These ones aren't, but the next ones are. So use this time as best as we can to get the team that we're going to play with or as close as we're going to get to that, get that one, get that team ready, take these games seriously as best as we can so that we take the next game seriously. I think maybe, uh, I don't think we, I don't think we didn't take the old world cup qualification game seriously, like last, last round. But I think that, that, that could still be in your head a little bit. So just take the games as seriously as possible. Take everything that's going on with the United States national team as seriously as possible so that when we get to the important games, our mindset is ready for those. Yeah, and, and I still want to see like quite a few fringe players on that second game only because I am very concerned about injuries with like quote unquote the big three. Um, we're talking about Polisic, Adams, and McKenney there, and they have all had Polisic and Adams are more extensive, but they've all had some injury problems over the last couple of years that are getting a little bit concerning. And so I need to see guys that are like, you can step in when these guys go down because they will. <laughs> One of them, they've never, they've played about 20 minutes together, the three of them on the field before. Um, otherwise, they have not gotten much time because one of them goes down. So I want to see somebody who can step in. And I think it's a big reason uh, Eunice Musa is a, is a, is a big addition um, in the midfield and in attack. And Gio's emergence has been huge. So. And MLS MVP Jordan Mars. Yeah. And honestly, I feel like Johnny Cardoso as well. Well, yeah, he's he's big for Tyler, basically, yeah. um, in taking that six. Like we talked about last episode, two different types of sixes in many ways. But, uh, yeah, if Tyler goes down, that's bad news bears, and we need somebody who can step in that is not named Michael Bradley. So <laughs> We should call up Chris Wondolowski while we're very, at it. To very play the six. True. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Play him anywhere on the pitch. Honestly, agreed. <laughs> That man does his job. Because you know, you know, Wando knows how to clear the ball since that's what he was trying to do <laughs> from the six-yard box. That's good. That's good. 
What did uh, what did John Terry say to um, Chris Wondolowski that one time, Cole? Uh, it was something about like him being impossible to mark. Yeah, he was like, "How did like you that do that?" Box. I can't. Yeah, he's like, you. "How did you get away from all these defenders who play in the Premier League?" I love and it. And Chris Wondolowski was like, "Cause I'm the greatest American striker of all time." He's a fox in the box. You don't have to qualify he's that like, with American because... Cole. He's like, because I, I, don't I play, play against Sounders teams. multiple times, and Javier Arriaga is just an absolute brute that I need to figure <laughs> out. That's true. He's tough, dude. He's tough to figure out. Yeah. Smart defender. He it's got called up for Ecuador, which means Ecuador is confirmed to finish bottom of the South American table for World Cup qualifying. It's too bad. <laughs> because he will be playing for them. Well, any other games of note uh, from international, or do we want to uh, close out? Maybe finish with something else before we before we head out. I mean, the only game that really caught my eye it looks like the Netherlands are, game, and that's always an interesting matchup. Uh, twenty ten gives me nightmares. Twenty fourteen, I like to rewatch, but yeah, I mean that that's really. I mean, I guess Germany Czech Republic would be interesting, but. Yeah, three of us are Dutch on this podcast, so we do have a little bit of interest in the Netherlands, some more than others. I've probably been a fan of the Netherlands national team longer than I've been a fan of the U.S. men's national team. So, I mean, there there's unbelievable games all around. Portugal France is happening on wow. Saturday. Um, like I said, I mean these these groups are are crazy. Um, let me find it really quick. There's a game. Denmark is currently tied with England, but ahead of them on goal differential. So Belgium's top of that group, and then Denmark, and then England's in third. They play each other this week. Um, so if England wants to, to jump them, they're going to have to get a result there. Um, Netherlands are currently in third behind Poland and Italy. Uh, Croatia is not going to qualify because <laughs> both Portugal and France are, are too far ahead. Germany is in second tied with Ukraine um, and they play each other. So if Ukraine somehow manages to upset them, Germany could get kicked out. I've heard lots of people uh, calling for Joachim Lowe's head to get fired. So just, I, maybe, maybe I mean, yeah, I think, I think what we saw out of the last world cup was very similar to the U S men's national team of like having so many young players but still giving the old heads like their respectful spot. Yeah. And it just didn't work. Um, and so like everybody was saying, Oh, Germany are finished. You know, they won the world cup, but like, you know, they're going to have, they're not, they're not anywhere near as good as some of these other top European teams. And I'm like, I don't like Germany at all. Um, but I'm like, Oh really? And then you can list off like 20 players that are like 25 or younger who are, just absolute talents and it's like yeah i think they're gonna be just fine um but i think that is something that people people don't really realize as much because of their poor showing at the last world cup and none of those players were featured really like even leroy sane got left that team didn't marco royce get left off that team he might have had some injury stuff going injury. down. That's but, typical. Um, no, I think he literally got left off, and everyone was like, what? Well, Sané definitely got left off, because we all remember that. But Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, like Havertz, Werner, like all all these guys, Nabry, 
it's Kimmich. I mean Kimmich has has Kimmich has he's injured turned up for bad, sure but... he's out for a while that's bad news for yeah. for Germany too right now yeah um, but yeah good player well anything else we need to talk about I think that's about it for me Cole nah I'm cool Tim. Now we talked about mines. We're all we're all set here. <laughs> all right, then do your thing that you do. All right, lovely people, beautiful people. We hope upon the next episode, your ears are still blessed with our voices, and your eyes are still blessed with a beautiful game. We'll see you then.